What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs and love, sex and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm so excited today to introduce my friend, Julie, Lo- Julie Loken. Hi, Julie. Sometimes she goes by Jules. <laughs> hey there, Dawn. I'm so excited to be here. It's Yay. unbelievable. I finally am on your stage. I know. It's taken a long time. <laughs> you're, you're a busy lady flying all over the world. Yeah. Well, Cracking. Where, in the, where in the world is Dawn Sharp? <laughs> it's my game. Well, maybe I should just make that into a game, huh? You should. Where is she? Uh, Julie's very busy too. She, like, I was just going to ask you when. When do you sleep? <laughs> I do. I sleep. Okay. I make okay. time for sleep. Okay, but very, Julie- if it dreams sleep, like my brain's always going though. So. I'm sure because you are super, super busy. Julie is the founder of the Omni Media Company, the Media Casters. Uh, she assists underserved entrepreneurs and creatives in their journey to make an impact in the world. Jules is a writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. She has a background in law, four best selling books and three podcasts. Is that, is that all? My God. <laughs> and she's unabashedly a woman who says yes to life. She's a mom to four boys a wife and lives life with her sidekick, this cute little French bulldog, Violet. Uh, Julie understands the power of each of our stories and then the chapter that we are writing right now. Our stories is what connects us as human beings and provides the lessons we need to teach those who are experiencing those lessons in real time. Welcome, my beautiful friend, Jules. Yay! Donna, <laughs> Julie here. We're going to change the world. Everyone listening is going to be like, I need more dawn. I need to be awoken by everything you're teaching. So I am so excited to be here. You, I do not understand your journey from, from lawyer to podcaster. Like, how did that all happen? Well, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yeah. Okay. I'm a seven on the Enneagram and. I don't know what that means, though. I mean, I vaguely know. It's just the person that is like saying yes to everything. Everything. Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. But I initially didn't follow my path. I didn't follow my true path because I know as a young girl, I was gawky. I was chubby. I was, you know, just always trying to fit in. But I had this like a lot of energy. I had a lot of energy. So I always dimmed my light to try to make others around me feel comfortable. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I did all the things you're supposed to do. You go to school, check. You get married, check. check. You go to law school, check. And then you, I found myself, oh, and babies, check. And I found myself like really unsettled in my soul. So mm. that's how I became a podcaster from lawyer to podcaster. But I'm not just a podcaster. I Oh, no, you're not. I mean, just in terms of 
you know, I just love elevating the voices of, of others, those who are wanting to make an impact in the world. And I see podcasting as an amazing tool to do such a thing. That <clears throat> when you became a lawyer, what was your vision of you as a lawyer? I don't know. I thought I was going to save the world. How? Like, I don't know. I did not like arguing in court. I distinctly remember arguing, I think it was a mock trial in law school Uh in front of federal judges. And I like blacked out. I don't remember anything. So I'm like, I can't do this. Really? I can't talk in public and I can't, I cannot be a trial lawyer. So I, I followed in my father's footsteps. I've really enjoyed estate planning, which is the sexiest part of law. But really, I wanted to help people. I didn't want to, no offense, I didn't want to be a therapist. I didn't want to be, I knew that wasn't the the way that I was going to help people. I couldn't really articulate it. And so I just ended up going and getting a master's in coaching as well. So I started a coaching business and then it took off. And it's all these opportunities. If you open your heart up to opportunities, you never know where it's going to take you. Meeting Dawn, I never, you never know where it's going to take you. Every person we meet changes the trajectory of our lives. So why do you think people are so afraid to say yes? The comfort zone. Comfort. It's what they know. And saying Com- yes. Comfort, but is comfort zone is not always comfortable. It's comfortable. It's like wearing those old tattered pair of sneakers every single day. They're comfortable, but they don't look good. And those beautiful stilettos in the corner that you've always wanted to wear, but you don't know how to do it. You don't know where you'll wear it. It's it you is. don't know if you'll fall down. <laughs> you, you don't know if you'll fall down, break your ankle. By no means do I wear stilettos, by the way. I'm like the old lady wearing the naturalizer pumps these days. But, you know, it's, it is just, it is what it is. It's comfortable. It's what you know. It's the people you surround yourself with. Who mm-hmm. is anchoring you? Who's telling you to be better? Are you telling yourself to be better? So the comfort zone is a scary place for me. I like to push myself outside the box and meet new people, talk to new people. Mm-hmm. But you also have to stay focused because you can go everywhere also. Yeah, you can go like a squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that one squirrel. and that one. <laughs> right. Ooh, I like that. That's, I how, like I that. That's how I feel. Yeah. Ooh, I've, I've heard that squirrel analogy too. And <laughs> probably my name attached to it. But you do have to be very focused and understand your personal message, who you are in your core. Uh huh. To kind of take that next step. Okay. What? Do it. Stop thinking about it. It's like burpees. Just don't think. Just do. Uh-huh. Just do it, and you'll see results. If you think about it too much, overthinking is really. Well, you probably know this. That's like, an analysis paralysis, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were your Were your parents yes people? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How? How? My dad. How did they manifest that? I like this, Don, because I really need a therapy session right now. Um, I do. Uh, they were yes people. My dad was an immigrant and that immigrant mentality, the American dream. Immigrant from where? Czech Republic. Okay. So that's a long story I could go into. But so I was the firstborn American on my dad's side. So I saw that immigrant mentality of doing 
making the world a better place, doing better than your parents did in a way. I'm not saying I don't think I'm doing better than my parents. And I think maybe my generation or the, my children's generations, the first generation that aren't doing better than their parents. Mm-hmm. But I, in a way, they never held me back. They never told me I could not do it. That I, because I'm a woman, because I blah, blah, blah. Like I could not do it. They always encouraged me everything I did. So I took that to the next level. I'm like, okay, I can do this. They, they probably are like, Oh my God, we created a monster. (laughs) I was, I was just going to ask like, how did, how have they been supportive of your journey? Because you said, you know, you were the check, check. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And so then when you made these transitions, were they like, what the hell's going on with you, Jules? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so my father's an attorney. My grandfathers were all attorneys. And so I just followed the family business, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, when I graduated law school, my dad handed me the diploma. He was adjunct professor at, uh-huh. at the college, but it wasn't me. Uh, so he's been so super supportive. He never said anything to me in the negative. He just kind of looked at me. I think probably behind the scenes, he rolls his eyes like, what is she doing? He gets it now. Mm -hmm. And, um, getting married early in life. I was 24 years old. All Mm -hmm. my friends were doing it. All my friends were getting married. So I peer pressure. Yeah. So I found a nice guy, got married. I was the first one in my entire family, both sides that ever was divorced ever. And wow, very shameful in my mind, but they always were supportive. I never heard anything negative from them. They were concerned, but not negative. How, how long were you married before you got divorced? I think a whopping nine years. Uh Uh-huh. And you had two kids. No, it might have been less. Yeah. Anyway, it wasn't a lot. It was well under a decade, but two children went the IVF route. I was in law school. Looking back, I was married to a very nice guy. We were friends, but I knew it wasn't the one. If there is such a thing as the one. How did you know? What made you say that? What made you think that? Uh, We were just friends and we were just friends. That's it. The chemistry probably wasn't there. And Mm -hmm. I think if anyone has gone through IVF, I think that snuffs out a lot of chemistry. If a lot of pressure in it. Yeah. But I got my second boy and I'm, I'm like, okay, there we go. Check. I have two kids. Boom. Everything falls apart. Everything implodes. Uh, What was that like for you? Hell, have you ever been through divorce? Just kidding. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is one of the reasons why when we were talking last week, yeah. it was like, we need to talk about the realities of this because it's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Do you still suffer from the collateral damage of a divorce? Do you feel, oh, yeah. or do you feel like you've moved on? I mean, moved both, on. Both. Okay. Both. I mean, there are still some things that impact me, mm-hmm. um, especially around finances. That's mm-hmm. been really challenging. You're not getting those checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. It's brutal. Nope. And I know many women who don't. Yeah. And then, and then I talk to men who say, how can that happen? Ba, 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 ba. And I mean, I 
have compassion for my former husband because he had been out of work for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so he was out of work. I mean, mm-hmm. he was struggling to support himself, let alone his kids. But right. what, what happened with you? Oh, finances. I walked, finances were never really an issue. I walked away not taking anything. I didn't get alimony. Yes, child support, but wasn't anything huge. I could buy them groceries. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I mean, it was implosive. It imploded his anger. And I have to give him a lot of credit because he really did work on himself, as did I. And it's come full circle, but going back to those days, they were every day. I never knew what I would expect. It could be those calls of anger. It could be the blame. It can be he said, she said, but he didn't want to get divorced. Um, I don't know. I feel like he knew it was coming, John. He knew uh, he moved out. He got a house. But I think the divorce and then I moved on very quickly, too. Mm. So him and my current husband, you know, did not get along at the beginning. I remember just. Why very, would they? Why would they? I don't know. Why, why wouldn't they? Why okay. would they? But there, there was, there was <laughs> a lot of anger. And it's, you know, it was a point of immaturity as well. They didn't get along. I believe one time the police came because they <gasps> were fighting. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was humiliating, humiliating and embarrassing. And the script flipped when I think my ex realized I need to stop hating my ex more than I love my children. And fast forward, you know, my husband and my ex-husband are besties. They talk more than I do. Yeah. That is so crazy to me. I am like removed from the equation. They're like, eh, she's old news. But it's it's high emotion. Yeah, they do. They hang out. They talk. I'm not kidding. I told, well, I did mention this to Dawn earlier in a private conversation, but it's no longer going to be private because I'm going to share it with you. (laughs) They actually have gone shooting together to firing range. I think that's what it's called. And I'm, I'm sitting at home thinking, should I be worried that they're worried? like shooting targets but no it's all good it's all fun you you know we get along it started off just for the fam for the kids getting along for the kids but it's progressed into a deeper relationship and i know if i were to be removed from this crazy equation meaning i died you know my my children my four boys would be raised together wow. they would probably move in together Somehow, or like move next door to each other and raise uh-huh. kids. So that's, that's a, I'm proud of that, actually. I'm proud that we. No, that's really, um, it's really honorable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I don't take credit. Those men, they did it. So. No, but this is okay because they went from hating each other. And I'm sure that, mm-hmm. that your former husband was super jealous. Yeah. And super resentful, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, that your new husband had you. <laughs> Yeah. Had all this. Yeah. I know. I'd be jealous too, Jules. <laughs> Thanks, Don. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> but that's re- okay. So, this is the big thing because 
I think so many people who get divorced, they just stay pissed the rest of their Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. They do. And they bring it into their new relationships too. And they, and they impact their kids. Yeah. Their kids become pissed. Yeah. And so there's all this pent up anger and resentment. I mean, I remember when my, my former husband hadn't seen his dad in 25 years. Wow. Yeah. His dad left when he was, I mean, they got divorced and his dad left the state when he was 13. And I don't think my husband saw his dad until he was like 18 in the military or something. And he went up and he, he went up to see his dad. Um, and his dad was kind of a jerk. And so he said, I just don't want to have anything to do with them again. So mm-hmm. he didn't come to the wedding. You know, wow. we didn't have any contact with him. And then about, I don't know, 12, 14, 15 years into our relationship, we were having a lot of issues. And he <laughs> said, I want to go see my dad. Is that a- <laughs> That's all right. Um, I want to go see my dad. And so mm-hmm. he told his mom before we went and his mom said, prepare to be disappointed. And this was 25, mm-hmm. wow. 20, almost 30 years after they'd gotten divorced. And I thought, how Ooh. sad, like, how sad, mm-hmm. how sad. And so why do you think so many people stay pissed? <laughs> they, they don't know any other way but to be pissed and to blame. And you, well, you know, you're a therapist. You, you know, this, I pretend I'm a therapist, but I'm really not. But you know, you anger is a secondary emotion. It's coming from somewhere else. They're not doing the work. They're linear. They only have one vantage point of their life. And it's just easier to blame everybody else instead of looking introspectively and to say, how can I change? What did I do wrong? How did I contribute to this issue? What do you think? Is that the right answer? I don't know. Yeah, I I think in general, which is one of the reasons why I started this whole podcast in the first place, is because I I recognize, you know, I'm the relationship expert, and yet I got divorced. But that's um, the best part of it. You know, you get to you get to share a slice of your life. No one likes to connect with someone who is perfect. Who's perfect? Nobody. (laughs) But that's, I I mean, one of the main reasons I feel like I got divorced is because he wasn't willing to take responsibility for his stuff. You know, no matter how much we went to therapy, uh, the therapist, you know, each different therapist would say, what you're talking about has nothing to do with Dawn. You know, this mm-hmm. is your things that you need to take care of. Right. And I felt like he didn't. And I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time judging him and blaming him because he did have issues that he wasn't taking responsibility for. And then I got to this point, um, even before I decided I wanted to get divorced, I was like, I don't know if I want to get divorced, but I know that I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One, because I've been putting up with a lot of stuff. Two, because I've been acting out in ways that I didn't recognize myself. I was like, who is this ugly? What is What does acting out look like to you? Well, it's uh, okay. For a long time, 
And here's Jules being the interviewer. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> we can do this on your podcast too. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I think this is what happens that, that there's usually somebody who has the emotional, uh, the emotionality of the relationship mm-hmm. who's kind of in charge of that, navigates that. And then there's the other person who kind of who's kind of responsible for like the structure of the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, the day-to-day things. And so of course I was the emotional one. And, um, and so I was like, I'll be patient. I'm super loving. I'm giving, I'm compassionate. You know, I'm the cheerleader. We can figure this out. Ba-ba-ba-ba. And then I was getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like, like I was getting anywhere with that. And so then I started fighting back. Mm-hmm. I was you like, okay. Pissed. Yeah, I was pissed. It was mm-hmm. like, he's expressing all the anger that I'm suppressing inside of myself mm-hmm. because I'm a nice girl. I'm mm-hmm. a good girl. That's a bad archetype. Yeah, so, it's terrible. Yeah. And I think that many, many uh, women, mm-hmm. especially buy into that. Be oh, a nice girl, be a good girl. Well, we're, we're conditioned when we're little girls, two, three, five, seven. Yep. Help grandpa. Oh, and then you get that validation that. Right. Look at Dawn. She's such a good girl. Look at she's so helpful. Right. Right. And so then you take that on to adulthood and we want to be nice and have that little miss perfect image. And it's, we destroy ourselves internally. Right. And so I, I really feel like there's this huge imbalance and both men and women, you know, because women are conditioned to be sad and cry and be upset and mm-hmm. men are conditioned to just be pissed off. Mm-hmm. Whereas probably what really needs to happen is the reverse where women need to get pissed mm-hmm. off and men yeah. need to get to, to cry and, and feel afraid and be sad because that's really what the anger is covering up. Interesting. The anger is the, is the tip of the iceberg, what people see. But mm-hmm. what's underneath is feelings of fear, insecurity, sadness, disconnection, um, and extreme vulnerability. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to abandon me. I mean, and I know many times yeah. in my own marriage, I said, I won't leave you. I'm not going to leave you like your dad did. I'm not going to leave you like your dad did. Mm-hmm. And then what did I do? I left him like his dad did. And it's almost self a self-prophecy for people. Right. If you think it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You right. are what you think. Right. And so, you know, this is how people um, hold their feelings. This is how people suppress what's truly going on with them. So instead of him saying, I'm afraid that you're going to leave, mm-hmm. I'm afraid that I've really fucked things up big time. Oh, you're allowed to say the F word on this podcast. Yes, we are. You're allowed to say anything that you want on this podcast. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> um, and so, so many people suppress what's really going on inside of them in order to, it's really like a protective mechanism, Jules, mm-hmm. you know, so we live our life and that, that we live our life in the external, like, what can I show? Mm-hmm. Because I'm really afraid to tell you what's really, really going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of abandonment. I'm afraid of being alone. Mm-hmm. It's like this. Um, it's like our, it's our human condition. Like mm-hmm. ultimately we are alone, even if we're surrounded mm-hmm. by people. 
but this what this is what happens in relationships that people hold on to that sense of loneliness and they don't know how to reconnect. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to be open and vulnerable because we've been conditioned mm-hmm. to be nice, to be in control, to have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. So did you experience any of that when you were going through your divorce? Absolutely. Well, first I felt shame that I was the leader leading the charge in the as the first divorcee in history in both sides of my family. You have to feel a little bit that's a less lot than. of yeah, of course. So I think one time I really did try to project that image of perfection. I tried to project like with my children the perfect outfits, the perfect haircuts. I did everything, went to the music classes, went to coach soccer. I did everything to project externally that I I got my stuff together. I'm a perfect mom. Yeah. But there comes baby three, there comes baby four, and you can't sustain that that ability to try to look perfect because we know there's no such thing as perfect. So I gave up all my expectations of everything. I truly did. Even with my children, I just want them to be happy. I want them to lead a productive life, give back, leave this world a better place than they they were born into. And I've even done it and I do it with my little ones too. So I have four boys ages 11 to 22. They span a decade. And I never give them grief about their grades. I never, if you're doing the best you can. And something about it works though, you know, just releasing that, their haircut. I mean, you know, you can't control your kids. No. My, my one son had, came home and he, he cut his hair like a mullet because he was on football. I mean, it looked horrible, but I'm like, you look so cute. Look at that mullet. Look at the 1980s mullet coming back. Right here in 2021. Bringing it back in style, sweetie. Look at those mullets. But I recognized we're going to be who we're going to be. Yes, I do have standards like, you know, flush the toilet, those kind of things. But I just let go of everything. It's so freeing not to have to chase after the ideology of being perfect. It's absolutely unattainable. But I see so many people. I live in suburbia, a lot of Stepford wives. Amazing. But I'm just, how do they keep this up? You know, we have to have the perfect body, the perfect car, you know, the new, I don't even know the car, like a Tesla. I don't even know if Tesla is a convertible or a BMW convertible. And I'm perfectly tanned and toned. And my kids are going to Stanford and Princeton. But yet, are they really happy? I, you know, it is a really scary place to kind of put yourself next to those people. They're amazing people, but then judging yourself against these other people because I was definitely there 15 years ago. Just, mm-hmm. oh, I want to be perfect. I want to, even though my life was crumbling inside. So, but you know what that is, don't you? What? No, it's insecurity. Oh, absolutely. It's a mask for insecurity. Yeah. It's like, I feel, I feel out of control or powerless or yeah. insecure about myself. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to so create insecure. this illusion 
to the outside mm-hmm. world that I got it all together. Mm-hmm. Who does? Nobody. <laughs> I don't Nobody? know anybody that has. I don't know anybody that has it all together. Even but, Oprah or Beyonce or oh, anybody. Please, no. I'm just teasing. Was Beyonce cheated on? Oh yeah, she was. Boom. Did she go through shit? <laughs> yeah, she did. Did she write a whole album full of? Screw you. Yeah. Lazy. Yeah. And she's friggin' powerful and amazing and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yet, she has that platform still, now. Yeah. She's still experienced like deep. I feel like heartache is the deepest, deepest pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the deepest pain because it makes you, oh, I'll get emotional here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Makes you question your own self worth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, am I lovable? What's the matter with me? Why can't I figure this out? That was, and I get that so, such on a cellular, cellular level, because I, that's how I felt growing up. Not necessarily, not from my parents. It was from peers. And then that narrative I started telling myself that I had to be someone else for people to love me. To love you. Mm hmm. And I never loved myself. I thought I did. I was fun, you know, smart, but I never loved myself. I abused myself. How? And How? Well, I restricted my food in high school. I didn't eat. I never was hospitalized for it, but I had dramatic weight loss. And... I stopped menstruating and my mom took me to, you know, specialists back in the day. I don't know how well they understood it, but I just wanted to look a certain way, be pretty enough so I could get some attention. Mm -hmm. And it was so controlling and I was miserable. You know, the, the cycles of not eating, I never threw up, but I took laxatives and it was just disgusting. You know, I did that for several years. I would eat something, take a laxative. Oh, I can eat something else. But I was miserable. Uh, not really until I embraced exercise and working out did I start getting those oxytocins into my head. But I definitely um, abused myself that way. And this just brought up a memory of when I was going through the divorce. I was home with the two kids. And I was seeing a therapist or psychiatrist, I don't even remember. They prescribed me Xanax and stuff. And I probably would take a couple too many during the day. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. And my mom and my best friend were over the bed just making sure I was okay. Yeah. Wow. That, That was something that was just, at that time, a coping coping mechanism. Uh, you know, luckily I recognized it. I'm like, that truly doesn't need any more of these damn pills because mm. too easy. And yeah, so I do remember that. That wasn't good for me. You know, you can't heal in a place that you created where the chaos is. So right. it's getting your shit together. But that whole sense of feeling out of control. You know, oh, and so, so, so like even with your, even with your eating, perfectionism. <clears throat> right. So even with your eating, 
you're like, how can I control this? <laughs> because you probably felt kind of out of control mm-hmm. in the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Now, don't you fear the audience of um, Wake Up to Love? Don't you fear Julie has put on weight? I'm healthy. Like, that is not a thing anymore, especially with Good. the pandemic. I'm just like, whatever. But I've not only woken up to love, loving myself, I've woken up to like, Julie, you need to like really start moving a little more. These uh, sitting in front of the computer all the time is not good for you. But so don't you guys fear I'm healthy. I'm a healthy weight. Yeah. Not taking Xanax or whatever that was, clonopin or whatever I was prescribed, which is scary. So, so this relates to this whole concept of self-love and because, oh yeah, go ahead. And what? Oh no, I was numbing myself from the pain for sure. Yeah. You know, and then trying to control it right externally. So it's right. I think it's secular. You know, it's a huge cycle, and I think most people, many people, never figure out how to get out of that cycle. Mm. You know, this is why people are depressed. This is why people mm-hmm. ha- have anxiety. This is why people turn to drugs and alcohol, or mm-hmm. shopping, or even uh even shopping exercise. is something done shopping, shopping shopping like online shopping exercising oh yeah you know mm-hmm. i mean even if you think it's a good thing but it's yeah. it's a way it, it's have you heard of the term spiritual bypassing Mm-mm. yeah i love that what is it oh it's like you're in a lot of pain and you say oh I'm, I'm okay because God's going to get me through this and I just, you know, live my life and, and it'll go away. And is that like manifesting? Like you're in one situation and you're just like hoping for another in a way. I love manifesting the idea of manifesting. No, but it's manifesting is different. Spiritual bypassing is really ignoring where you are. Mm -hmm. It's not accepting where you are because the hurt and the heartache that you carry with you mm-hmm. to actually feel it is hard. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's like you feel like <clears throat> if I cry, if I allow myself to feel the pain that mm-hmm. I'm trying to mask, I don't know if I'll survive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll get over it or get through it or mm-hmm. whatever the terminology is. And so you put on a happy face and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. God will take care of me. You know, Mm -hmm. as opposed Mm -hmm. to saying, I know God will take care of me or whoever your God creator source, the universe Mm -hmm. is. Um, But it's the sense of I need to feel to heal. Mm. And many people are afraid to do that. Because we are not taught how to express our emotions in healthy and constructive ways. Mm -hmm. So what do you do with the pain? Well, perhaps you start a podcast. Right. I have three. There must be a lot of pain there. (laughs) What do you do? You, uh, you know, you start painting or you write Mm -hmm. a book or four. Or four. <laughs> That's actually, you know, like uh, to be honest, the podcasting and writing. I I've always been a creative. I never understood what what being a creative means, and 
I always wrote since the day I was a little girl. I was the editor of the newspaper back in high school. I went to undergrad for journalism. I loved writing. I didn't understand it that when I'm going through something, it's like I need to create or, and that's how I let it out. Mm-hmm. So the power of journaling has been really helpful or just, I love writing blogs. If you were ever to look at my blogs, you probably will, could tell, especially in the early year with my blog that every time I was stressed out or something, I would write about it. I would never necessarily share the thing that was happening at the time, but uh-huh. you, you can extrapolate like what's going on in my life. It's, you know, and I felt so much better. I'm like, I just need to get to the computer and start writing. So I felt someone else is going to relate with this. Someone else is going to connect with my journey. Someone else is going to like that. I am sharing myself and being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I was doing, but it is, it was letting it out. And trust me, I cry too, but it, that extension of creativity is really something that can enhance your life so greatly. You just have to let it flow. You have to let it flow. Yes, you have to allow it mm-hmm. to be expressed. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, okay, when you were struggling with your eating issues, mm-hmm. were you writing? I don't think so. This was in high school. So, you know, you're not very, a lot of girls are not very self aware. And this, dare I say, was before the internet. And before mm-hmm. you, had, you, were, you had a lot of access to all the information that you do now. Right. But I, I mean, I always wrote, I never wrote like I do now, but I would write notes to my friends. And, you know, I always wanted to be in communication with people. I am I, probably what you would call an extrovert, just letting it out in that way. Not the right. same way you do now as a self-aware 40 something year old. And so when you were going through your divorce, were you writing a lot? No. Mm-mm. Why not? I didn't know how to. I knew how to. I didn't know that platform or vehicle. I always would do something creative, but I don't think it was until my late 30s I really started writing. And I didn't even realize you could do a blog. You could do a blog. And... It doesn't have to be anything, but you can send it out into the universe. And if somebody finds it, they find it. But right. blogging has been such an amazing tool for me. Tool for me. Like after I get off with Don, I'm going to write a blog about this. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, all the things I tapped into. I, some of these things I've, for, I've forgotten about because, uh-huh. you know, you get in the daily groove of doing everything. But mm-hmm. Gee, do you I, have a blog, Don? No. You need to start blogging. I bet yeah. you you would love blogging. Well, I I have been writing for the last several years mm-hmm. just for myself. Mm-hmm. And oh. I, I started off uh, in, I joined two different Facebook groups oh, okay. that people would, you know, people would share stuff and then I would mm-hmm. write and respond. And um, so I have a lot of writing. Yeah, I have a That's lot of awesome. writing. Yeah. And I I feel like, a lot of just like you were saying that creativity mm-hmm. is one of the best tools to yeah. process anything that you're going through. So I think that's why music is so powerful mm-hmm. because people are writing. I think that's why uh, painting 
mm-hmm. you know, painting, any kind of dance, mm-hmm. um, building something mm-hmm. where you are taking whatever is inside of you mm-hmm. and expressing it in healthy and constructive ways. Yeah. Have you taught your kids to be, ex- to, to be creative and expressive? Um, I tried to this, this weekend. I actually, they were home for five days. It's like, why are the schools, why aren't my kids in school? So <laughs> I actually got some paint camp canvases to paint. I try to do, they enjoy it. It's, they're so physical, meaning they're wanting to do sports, sports, sports uh-huh. that I try to bring in that creativity part when I can get their attention. It's wonderful for them. And some of them are more creative than the others. They like to play music. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two oldest, my oldest plays the guitar. My second plays the drums, which is that an instrument? I don't know. It's very <laughs> it is when I was watching music this weekend. <laughs> yeah. And my, my little ones are, my youngest loves to cook. And my, my third is probably the most creative, I would say, but. It's this stereotype for boys, especially that you have to be strong. You have to do sports. And it's a lot easier if you're a young boy, if you're good at sports yeah. to fit in. But, you know, how many of our kids are going to be NFL players or NBA players? One percent. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I try, Don, I'm trying. I'm like hoping that the, their partners, their final, their partners will thank me one day, but I'm not so quite sure, but I try. I try. It's a process. Very masculine household. It's a process. And I think that that's part of this whole journey is really learning what speaks to you, mm-hmm. you know? So if your kid isn't good at sports, if your kid, um, whatever, whatever they're passionate about, mm-hmm. that's their creative outlet. Whatever they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. So if it's sports, go play sports. But what do you do if your body breaks down? Yeah. What do you yeah. do? How do you express yourself if your body breaks down and mm-hmm. doesn't allow you to, you know, do the thing that you can do in this moment? So that's why I, I feel like we need to encourage our kids to express in different ways. Yeah, I'm thinking that could be a business you could start, like tap into creative therapeutics or creative, creative, something to do with therapy. But, and I know they do this. There's music therapy, paint, painting therapy, dance, dance therapy, therapy, but mm-hmm. just movement, but giving them that space that says whatever comes out of you is okay. And it's actually amazing. That this is your gift. This is why you are here. I, I feel like every person's creativity is part of their message. Mm-hmm. Part yeah. of their message. So mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Did you, um, are you familiar with The Artist's Way? Mm-mm. This amazing book. It's a working mm-hmm. book by a woman named Julia Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recommended this book to so many people throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She has 12 different chapters. Each has a theme. The tagline for the book is the spiritual pathway to higher creativity. Mm. And so with each theme and the chapter, she offers, I don't know, 15, 20 different exercises, potential exercises that you could do to express your creativity. 
Mm. Um, and she said, notice the ones that you're drawn to and notice the ones that you're like, Oh God, I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. because it's information about self exploration and self discovery. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful, beautiful resource for mm-hmm. anyone who feels like I'm not creative. Well, if you look through this book, if you do mm-hmm. this book, if you take time to examine yourself and, and learn about yourself, be curious mm-hmm. about yourself, you'll discover some really cool things. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to paint someday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, you know, I'm, I'm doing other things right now, but there's a huge part of me that's, that wants to paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. I, I know I, we talked about this last week. Like I know I have at least two or three books inside of me mm-hmm. waiting to be expressed. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I'm on clubhouse sharing a lot. <laughs> I speak a lot. Cause I have a lot to say. Well, I say, why not? And why you have, not? and you have three podcasts, but it's not about me right now. It's about you, Don. No, it is about you. Well, well I'm serious. <laughs> what? When talk, you can't say to me that you have all these books in you and why aren't you writing it? Well, I'm, what's your I'm, excuse? No, I'm, I'm writing it. I'm writing oh, it. it. I mean, I've written so many things that I can compile into a book. Yeah. So it's just a matter of me, you know, it's like, okay, is one, one's about divorce. One's about, uh, actual love, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. conscious relationships. One's mm-hmm. about love. One is about, I'm sure, creativity, mm-hmm. but all the things that, What is the working title? What's a working title for one of your books? Oh, well, I feel like my podcast, Wake Up to Real Love, can be the working title for many books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wake Up to Real Love Through Divorce. Wake Up Mm -hmm. to Real Love in Marriage. Wake Up to Real Love in Parenting. Wake Up to Real Love Through Creativity. Mm -hmm. The Real Love of Divorce. That would be an interesting title, you know? Mm -hmm. Because people will go, the real love of divorce, that mm-hmm. makes no sense. Right. So what did you learn about love through your divorce? Me? Mm-hmm. Since this podcast is supposed to be about you, Miss Jules. Uh, well, <laughs> I think that it's okay to be alone. Mm. Um, it's okay to be by yourself. I never had that space ever. Okay. So I'm one of those girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Serial monogamist, you know, jump parents' house, boyfriend, 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 husband, husband. So I technically have never really been alone. So if we look at it from a psychological perspective, it probably is because I was validating myself, uh, mm. you know, and I'm kind of fun. I'm kind of unique. I am different. I'm loud. I am a lot. For people, but my heart is always in the right place. And why can't I be okay just by being by myself? So I think it's, and by no means am I by myself. I mean, like for reals, I got all these kids, but <laughs> I do carve out those times just to really get to know who I am because it's ever involving. And right. I'm like, you're one badass. You had four boys. You're raising four kids. Yes, I'm not doing it by myself at all. I did it and I went to law school and then I went and got a master's in coaching and then I started a publishing business and then I'm doing all the stuff. Like, that's awesome. That can also be like, um, 
a numbing effect, like just to be busy. But I honestly have had those times where I'm like, you breathe and you understand that you're pretty amazing. Just no matter where you are in your journey, you have to give yourself grace and gratitude for what you've done, what your mind has done, what you've done here on this earth as a human being. Yeah. What, how you've changed the trajectory of other people's lives. And I absolutely, everything I do is within that mindset that I'm making connections to change the trajectory of everybody's lives that you are meant for more. You can do more. You just have to get up off your butt and just do it. So long answer, rambling answer, but it really is that you're okay alone. You you got this. My lesson. Mm -hmm. What do you want your kids to learn? Through your di- from your divorce. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. You're okay just as you are. You were born the day you were born. You were born worthy of love. You were born worthy of having everything. It's okay. It's, don't make the same mistake twice, though. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm, but maybe in the mistake, uh, there's the lesson. There's a different yeah. lesson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every, every failure. And I've predicated my life on many, many, many failures, big ones, little ones. It seems to be a pattern with me. But if I don't learn those lessons, therefore not. When I'm going through hell, when I'm like stressed out, I have to take a step back and ask myself, what is the lesson that the universe is trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. It's ne- I don't live on a linear plane. I recognize I'm born and I'm going to die. And somewhere along the line, we have to learn those lessons. This is, this is the point of life, I think. This is the point of life, having that ability to learn those lessons and then make a difference as best you can in, in the ecosystem you inhabit. Well, and when you were even talking about failure, I mean, I, I heard numerous times over the last, especially few months, mm-hmm. it's like failure. I think that people are afraid to fail because they, it's a judgment. It's a self judgment, mm-hmm. not I had a failure, but I am a failure. Mm-hmm. Big right. Difference. And so, so you feel a lot of shame or guilt or judgment, mm-hmm. whatever. And instead of, things being a failure mm-hmm. if you look at them as feedback this is feedback what what are you supposed to learn how are you being redirected in your life what things do you need to do differently going forward in order mm-hmm. to support yourself mm-hmm. um, and enhance your life mm-hmm. rather than hold you back mm-hmm. it's going to help propel you forward as opposed to I mean I say this a lot that when you're holding on to crap from the past, mm-hmm. it's like you're dragging huge, heavy, full suitcases behind you, right? Mm-hmm. Can you walk easily with them? No, no, you can't. But what happens when you learn to feel, <laughs> process, heal, and then release that which is behind you because it's just the past. 
right? It's part of, it's part of the stories Mm -hmm. that you're telling yourself. I can't, I shouldn't, I couldn't, whatever is the story, Mm -hmm. whatever is the baggage that you're carrying from the past Mm -hmm. that prevents you from really loving and accepting who you are and where Mm -hmm. you are in this present moment. Mm -hmm. When you let go of that, when you let go of all of that stuff, mm-hmm. that's when you feel free mm-hmm. to be who you are mm-hmm. and go where you want to go mm-hmm. and be open to, you know, the experiences that you desire in your life. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we our own worst enemy? I think because we're not, many times we're not taught to really embrace and love and cherish who we are at our core. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been pretty lucky because my parents uh, were super involved in this encounter and movement. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's marriage encounter. It was kind of, you know, in the seventies, um, couples relationship, emotional oh, wow. intelligence, really, you know, deep and intimate connections. Mm-hmm. And so um, we had this little button and it said, God, God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. Wow. And so I grew up with that message. Like no matter who you are and what shit you're experiencing, mm-hmm. you're still precious. Wow. You're still special. You're still worthy. You, you are a gift because you're alive. Mm-hmm. Your presence is a gift. And so what are you doing to both take care of the gift that you've been given mm-hmm. as well as express and share it out in the world? Mm-hmm. Wow. God doesn't make junk. That's true. So we're all beautiful. And if we learn to, instead of, you know, seeing externally, Mm-hmm. What's the appearance that I can put that, you know, makes me more acceptable or yeah. more aligned to the beauty standards or the whatever's mm-hmm. like whoever they is that decides what's good, bad, pretty, not pretty, smart, you know, mm-hmm. like all of that stuff is external junk. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the junk. <clears throat> when you buy into all of the things of what people tell you you should be mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, who am I? Yeah, it's really hard now. And I am so concerned for our kids with the onslaught of all these images, social media, to name a few. It's so hard. There's a lot of pressure to live up to somebody else's standards of who they think that you should be. Mm-hmm. How about who do I want to be? Mm. Where does that question come in? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. What kind of yeah. human do I want to be? What kind of mom do I want to be? What kind mm-hmm. of wife do I want to be? What kind of daughter, friend, community member? Mm-hmm. How do I want to show up in the world? What are my gifts and talents that I can share with others that impact other people in a positive mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. And how can I have fun doing it? <laughs> That's right, girl. Let's have some fun. <laughs> because All needs to be a little fun. Yeah. Otherwise, I won't do it. Yeah. I mean, that it's like, I feel like the more 
okay, you always have, you know, harder things to deal with, Mm -hmm. but there are so many things in life to be grateful for, to find joy in, to find beauty Mm -hmm. in. So how about if we start finding those things in ourselves? Yeah. That's when we have to really start doing the work. We have to be committed to doing the work on ourselves. Otherwise, it's just bleeding. Otherwise, it's not going to stick. And it's better to be proactive than to be reactive in terms of doing that development work, whether it's being with a therapist or it's reading or going to seminars or to learn learning new things. It's better to be proactive because when you hit those bumps in the road, you have those tools in your tool belts. Right. And my partner on my podcast, Obsessed, wow, it's been one year. Her sister was, I'm going to say, died Unexpect- unexpectedly, 30 years mm-hmm. old, oh, that's two awful. little babies. It devastated Tia. It's awful. I mean, it rocked her to her core. And of course, she told me if she did not have these tools from just doing our podcast and doing her work, she probably would be dead too. Wow. So powerful words. So, So how can we teach people that this is the way to get through anything? Say that again. Like, how can we teach? How can we teach people these tools to get through anything? You know, because it's not just, it's like starting at a young age. Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted, I feel like all of these things need to be part of our curriculum and schools as well. Okay. Well, yes, absolutely. And I do see the school systems moving a little bit towards, you know, more becoming self-aware and self-acceptance. You know, I think it comes from the parents and the schools, but I think you just have to do it. And children, you don't have the bandwidth or you don't know how to do it. You just are pretty much brainwashed, if you will, by your mother, father, teacher, preacher, the environment you're born into. Mm -hmm. So it's harder for some people to really make that transition to living that life that they know they're meant for. It's like being handcuffed or shackled, but anyone can do it. You just have to want it bad enough. You have to understand that the life you're living versus that little space of discomfort and change, it probably has to be worse than what the unknown is. Well, and especially if people have experienced a lot of heart, heartache. Yeah. A lot of struggle, a lot of challenges. I mean, this past year and a half, Mm -hmm. I've heard so many, um, well, in my whole life, really, I've heard as a therapist. Oh, (laughs) yeah. You hear everything. I hear everything. And And I question how do people get through, you know, why do some people get through some stuff? Yeah. Get through it to the other side and still maintain a sense of hope and optimism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because they want to better their life, mm-hmm. they want to heal from the experiences they had. Um, mm-hmm. And then why do some people stay stuck? Um, so a lot of it is nature versus nurture, I would imagine, and their environment and the people they surround themselves with. And I think some of it is also, and, the chemistry in your brain, you know, there are 
mental illness is a real thing. There is right. no shame, in my opinion, in the mental health game. Right. There's no shame in it. So some people can't when they are so depressed or riddled with anxiety. They're paralyzed by the chemistry going on in their brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about medication. Like I mentioned Xanax, like that was just a little dance with Xanax for like a couple of months. But, you know, if you be careful, just saying, you know, but the chemistry in their brains probably don't allow them. And then the people they surround themselves with and the narrative they're telling themselves that they've been told their whole entire right. life. Right. It's hard to break free. Some people do. Right. They have the right people around them that they trust that, you know. I was going to say that sort of relates to when you first started talking about, you know, your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe you're, maybe you're so boring for me. No, no. But maybe, but maybe your comfort zone is chaos and stress and tension. Yeah. Because that's what's familiar with you. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you come to this place, I mean, this is something that I, taught my kids their whole life. I said, if you surround yourself with people that make you feel badly about yourself, yeah, they're the wrong people to hang around with. Yeah. Like you need to find people who believe in you, who mm-hmm. like you, who appreciate you, who love you, who have your back, who want the best for you. Mm-hmm. And so because because nature versus nurture, there's the story my dad yeah. tells all the time. Yeah, uh, because my dad had three alcoholic parents. You know, one one was a stepdad, um, wow. and it's like you have two kids in the same family, alcoholics, and mm-hmm. one became an alcoholic and the other didn't. And why? And they ask why, and both of them say because of my parents. Mm. So you know, it's like everybody has a choice, and you feel like are you making choices that make you feel better about yourself? Mm-hmm that help you moving forward in your life mm-hmm. or are they choices that hold you tethered to all that stuff mm-hmm. that you're hanging on to. Mm-hmm. So nature, nurture, power of choice, mm-hmm. belief system, loving and accepting yourself, all the things, all the work mm-hmm. that you're only, you're the only one responsible for you. Nobody okay. else is. So many people don't recognize that too. And I I think that's such a deep discussion to unpack because why do people do the things they do? That's why there is the study of psychology, you know, anthropology, just to understand right human nature and why do some people choose, yeah. Why why don't I just continue to be self-destructive? What was the thing that stopped me? You know, it and just seeing everybody around, everyone's stories are different. And that's the beauty of everybody's stories. Everybody here on earth has a different story. Mm-hmm. And these stories, are, we have the power to author our own lives. Do we have the power to author our own lives? I always say notwithstanding mental illness, because I don't think you have the ability to make certain decisions. but. Why can't I just jump in the car and go to the city and, you know, go jump in the lake? I'm not going to, because <laughs> but Cause it's probably getting I? cold already. You feel free, feel that childlike freedom uh-huh. that we once felt. I mean, there's uh-huh. nothing more exhilarating than that. So why, why do we insist to be miserable and sitting behind a desk in a job we hate sitting in a relationship with 
a partner we just really don't Don't like like. treats us horribly. Why do we tolerate these things? You get what you tolerate. You get what you tolerate. Yeah. So when you're fed up, then you make a different choice. Yeah. Or when you give up hope. When you, yeah, when you know better, you do better. And it is about educating yourself, educating your children, educating our children collectively. So, and really, really saying, if I really loved myself, yeah, what would I do? Yeah, I'd go to the spa. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) That's what I would do. I love myself. I got to go to the spa, but it is about self care. So, you know, so many lessons. So many layers to this conversation. It's been really fascinating. And it's, I feel that having conversations like this make me introspective. And I'll probably write once, once we jump off, because when you're feeling something, let it go, honor it and let it go. Yeah. And I've definitely have felt a couple things today, John. I hope that's a good thing. It is. No, I love learning about myself. I don't get a chance to talk about myself very often. So oh, I'm glad that we could have this conversation. You're the best. <laughs> okay, Jules. The best uh, and beautiful. Like her hair is like, she's not perfect, but her hair is perfect. <laughs> oh no, my hair is crazy. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Stop. All right. All right. So the last question I ask all my guests. Okay. Is how do you define real love? How I define real love is a deep understanding of yourself that eventually radiates to others. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you. That's really beautiful, Jules. Thank you. you. All right. How can... Thank you. Um, I'm reflecting you. Right back at you. (laughs) All right. How do people get in touch with you, learn more about you, get in your world? Well, you can just Google me, Julie Loken, L-O-K-U-N. Or you can check out one of my deliriously wonderful podcasts, Obsessed with Humans on the Verge of Change or the Media Casters. Just Google me. It's like super easy. Julie Loken. There's too many things to, there's too many ways to contact me. Just don't show up at my front door. That's all I'm going to ask, please. Except for me, I might do that. Oh, Don can, for sure. (laughs) Julie Loken, L-O-K-U-N. Yeah, just Google me. Uh, You're so beautiful. I Mm. really, really um, admire you and you inspire me. I want to be like you. Oh, God. You want a French bulldog too? <laughs> well, maybe not that part, but <laughs> you all want the things you do. Oh my gosh. All, all the things. No, after my third one, I was like, oh yeah, I can't do that anymore. I, I thought I wanted a fourth. And then after my third one, I was like, it's a lot. I'm exhausted. It's a lot of birthing. <laughs> it's a lot of birthing. But birthing isn't the hard part. It's no, yeah, that's true. I know time. that actually. I, I know that. It's like when they turn to a teenager. Oh God. Yeah. You're like, what yeah. happened to my little angel? Yeah. Help me. I have a teenager. Oh, <laughs> That's one of my books. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to read that. <laughs> I've like teenager after teenager after teenager. I got one in the pipeline. <laughs> Thank you, Dawn. I yeah. love it. And yeah. So the conversation. 
Yeah, you're welcome. So I'm sure if you're listening, you've, you've learned a lot. Like we've covered a lot of stuff. So please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Share with all your friends. Write a five-star review. <laughs> um, and then if you want to get in touch with me, Jules is teaching me how to be Googleable. <laughs> She's got to be Googleable. Googleable. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. I'm Richard. Yeah. So spelled like Richard. No, actually, on, I, I've been ch- I've been changing it. Oh, so you have. E- yeah. Uh, don't listen to me. Cut that out. Yeah. No. For tax purposes, yes. <laughs> but for brand purposes, yeah, I just changed it so it's easier. R-I-S-H-A-R-D on oh, uh, then and, ignore and, me. Yeah, and the awakening with Dawn on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, or my name, Dawn Richard, R-I-S-H-A-R-D. <clears throat> so that I would wouldn't tell t- have to teach people how to pronounce it. That ways. That gets yeah. old, but you know what doesn't get old? Don Richard and, and her podcast and her mission in life to change the way we think about what real love means to us and taking us down paths of so many stories. It's, it's blows my mind just how amazing in the lives you're changing, Don. Thank you, Jules. I appreciate you. So much love to everybody. Um, every day, wake up to more and more real love. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Take care. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews. And, of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.